Step right up, step right up. Come on in. Two tickets for the podcast, please. All right this way, young lady. It's Schmanners. I am your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my darling. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, dear? Oh, you know, it's the tail end of a long day. <laughs> you know, get all, I don't know if you know this. I do a bajillion podcasts. You do, and you did, I think, half of them today. Half of the bajillion. I did half a bajillion today. And I wash the comforter. What up? I'm the world's best husband slash podcaster. Do you think that's true? Am I the world's best husband slash podcaster? Yes. And you're not just saying that because I'm the only husband slash podcaster in the room? No. You'd say that if there are other husband slash podcasters in the room? Yes. Okay. Whew! That that makes me feel pretty good. I aced that test. You did great. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say... You nailed it. Thanks. I give you a Cuby doll for how good you did on that. <laughs> See, because it all ties in with the topic. We're talking about amusement parks. Um, you know, like a theme park. Your uh, perhaps your Kings Islands, your Cedar Points, your um, I don't know Bush Gardens. I don't know that I've ever been to a Bush Gardens. Anymore. I have not, okay. but I imagine that it's fun. <laughs> I imagine it's. People time. people go to there to have fun. I've been to the Disneyland's, the Disneyland, the Disney Worlds. Yes, um, as have I. What I've done. We've nope, both been it. to uh, Kings Island. Kings Island, Universal Studios, both Hollywood and Orlando. Like even before it was gauche, I even attended some Sea Worlds in my time. Mm. Uh, before everybody remembered that you know. Uh, whales had feelings um, and only then did everyone go oh I feel terrible now and we stopped going to those so much um, we've been to uh, what was the oh it was the merry-go-round museum in Sandusky Ohio well which also has a cedar point in Sandusky that was our original purpose for being there so this week we're talking about amusement parks um, you know I think that amusement parks are kind of a breeding ground for etiquette violations, I would say. I think that there's a lot of people, all with um, purpose, and all with goals, and maybe getting a little bit frustrated. There's, you know, waiting in line, you get a little bit tense, you get a little bit on edge, everybody's getting hot and sweaty and gross, and everybody kind of stops thinking about everybody else's good time, and is very focused on their own good time. Right, it does seem to become a little self-centered, um, because you've, especially at a lot of these places we mentioned, you pay ticket prices to even enter the park. Yes. Um, and that really only includes shows and uh, rides, whereas if you're going to eat, you have to pay for that. Yeah. And sometimes so, exorbitant amounts you have to pay for that. It is often quite expensive. And so I think that when when people get a little, you know, you're talking about how they're, they might be a little uncomfortable in their surroundings, um, empathy tends to go out the window, and we feel like we're the only ones who deserve to have fun. And let me say, just uh, this isn't so much as an, uh, an etiquette uh, Schmanners tip as it is just general amusement park tips, which I'll try to sprinkle throughout the podcast. I love amusement parks. Do you know why I love amusement parks, Teresa? No, why? I love making plans. I love being prepared. I love winning, and I always win at amusement parks. Um, Nobody ever drinks enough water at amusement parks. That's true. You should be drinking water throughout. And if you get thirsty, it's already too late. But listen, I know that the water is expensive. I know getting a big bottle of water at an amusement park, it's expensive. But it's worth it. You're paying to have a good time by not getting dehydrated. Drink water, wear sunscreen. Well, and usually a lot of uh, amusement parks have public fountains for drinking. And most of the time, I've, fountains. I've also heard, though, I've never confirmed this, I've never tested it, that, like, if you go up to any, like, stand at an amusement park that sells drinks or has drinks, that if you say, I would like a cup of water, they all have tiny plastic cups that they will give you a drink of water for free. Hmm. We should test out that theory. Um, so, before we get into more amusement park tips and amusement park history, why don't you tell me a little bit about how what seems to be a pretty frivolous... An expensive thing came to be. 
Well, so if we're going to use amusement park in the kind of broadest sense, fairs and carnivals and, and things like that have been around since the Middle Ages. Really? Yes. Well, I guess that's true, because I think about, you know, like jousting. Uh, I think we've all seen, for no, not first, night, Knight's Tale. Knight's Tale. Um, <laughs> you know, with the, the jousting and the sword fighting and, you know, medieval times and both the restaurant medieval times type <laughs> stuff in there. I get that. So, um, as far as amuse- amusement parks go in the, in the sense that we know them, that probably started in the 19th century. Um, and they were often called pleasure gardens. That is a way better term for it. That <laughs> makes me think of straight Bioshock stuff. You know what I mean? Like, come on down to the pleasure garden. Right. And there's not enough call to do that voice anymore. <laughs> I could be famous. If people still needed that voice on a regular basis, I would be so famous. It's like one of the few voices that I can drop in. You are very, very good easy. at it. Come on in. Come on in, folks. Okay. I, okay. okay. I'm going to try right. not to do it throughout, but my carnival, I'm very proud of my barking. Well, and so these pleasure gardens even often started out as more of a park or a mm-hmm. garden where there might be just a few like minor attractions and okay. stalls and shops. Um, but then things started being built called trolley parks. Okay. Um, where the streetcar companies and the local railroad companies and boat operators all came together because they bought their electricity at the time at a flat rate. Okay. So they would build kind of like amusements at the end of the lines, and then you boosted your sales with very little expense, right? Oh, so so it was kind of like a draw of like, yeah, ride the train for a while, and at the end there's some stuff for kids to do. Exactly. That makes a wild amount of sense actually (laughs) before long there were lots of these tiny little parks at the end of railroad lines and boat lines and trolley lines and stuff um but what really changed the idea of an amusement park was the chicago world's columbian exposition oh yeah i mean i've heard about this this was a pretty big world's fair right or something like the world's something like the world's fair it took place in 1893 and What they did was they took the rides, the shows, and the concessions, which were different from the, like, exhibitions, Uh right? Um, And they put them in a separate space, which they called the Midway. Okay. That explains why there's so many things called the Midway, like on Coney Island and at the fake Coney Island at Disneyland. (laughs) Exactly. So then... When you cluster all these together, you draw an audience in, and the audience will kind of boost itself because everything is kind of close to the other thing. Unlike these little trolley parks at the end of trolley lines where you had to ride the line in order to get to it, everything was kind of concentrated in one place so you could see and do it all. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And this is actually... Credited to George C. Tillyou, who was kind of an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And it was his vision of the amusement park form that pretty much remained unchanged until Disneyland. I mean, I guess Disney World, because Disney World was first. No, Disneyland was first. Was it? Yes, it was. Okay. I love Disney. Uh, I love Disney parks. I grew up watching Vault Disney. I'm... without having to look it up that Disneyland came first. Great. I'll take your word on it. Um, I do want to say, though, before we get to more modern day, um, I want to say some interesting facts that we know about carousels and merry-go-rounds from going to the merry-go-round museum. Did you know that merry-go-rounds originally used to be a bit of a thrill ride? And if you've ever been on an old-timey merry-go-round that goes at old-timey merry-go-round speeds, you will understand why. Because those things go... Like 40 miles an hour. They go very fast. They're really fast, you guys. And if you've ever heard the uh, adage, like, you know, reach for the brass ring or go for the brass ring, that is because um, um, uh, carousels used to have brass rings hanging from ribbons all around the outside ring of the carousel. And you would literally, like, reach out and try to grab it. And if you grabbed it, your next ride was free. But they had to stop doing it because people's arms were breaking and they were getting seriously injured because the merry-go-round was going so fast and people were leaning out trying to grab these rings. So now everybody thinks of merry-go-rounds as like, 
you know, kiddie rides. But we went on one in Sandusky, Ohio at the Merrigan Museum that like went at speed. And at first we're like, oh, this will be cute. And then we're like clutching the pole. It was terrifying. It it was a thrill. And yeah. I cannot say that of any other merry-go-round I've No, it was on. terrifying. So I'm going to go over quickly a few historical amusement parks. Great. Go for it. So there's Vauxhall Gardens. Okay. Um, which is in London. And it was mostly built as a respite from the grime and sprawl of the big city. Okay. So it wasn't quite an amusement park as we know it. It was more of that pleasure garden type thing. Gotcha. Where, you know, there was, for the price of a shilling, you could stroll through the groves, admire paintings and sculptures, take in music. It was kind of a, a low-key distraction. So it was literally like, an amu- like, we're going to keep you amused. You know what I mean? Not so much like a thrill park or something like that. It was like, come and be, you know, fascinated by the art and the the attractions and not so much like you're going to throw up on our rides. Right. That was from the 1750s to about the 1820s. And once you get to about the 1820s, that is when they started to move away from kind of the high culture and refinement. Towards, you know, where the money is. (laughs) Exactly. Towards ballooning exhibitions and sideshow acts and tightrope wall walkers and you know things that bring in a crowd you know what i mean like you can go to a museum to see paintings you go to an amusement park and like this also sounds a little bit like it probably developed alongside like zoos and Mm. that kind of thing where it was like see the blah blah blah, the chills the thrills and like that's what brings people in uh and it closed in 1859 well you know i just missed it So we spoke a little earlier about uh, Cedar Point. Yes. Which is in Sandusky, Ohio. That was started in 1870. It's that old? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Get out. Mm-hmm. I think of it now because Cedar Point is so focused on uh, roller coasters now. Like if you go to Cedar Point, I want to say no exaggeration, they have like 12 or 13. Like they have a massive amount, maybe more, of just roller coasters. There's roller coasters all over the park. So I don't think of it as being like... That old timey, you know. Well, what I mean? it didn't. It didn't used to have the sixteen. Well, yes, roller coasters I know that, that Teresa. I don't think that it sprang up in eighteen eighty or whatever and had like the King Cobra standing roller coaster. I know that. Thank you very much. I'm saying that I don't think of it as an older park because I would pick like. King, there are parts of Kings Island that I believe are old. There's a, an amusement park in my hometown called Camden Park that if you told me that that park was 500 years old, I would be like, yes, that makes sense. I believe that this park <laughs> was made by like the people who found America. Yes, okay, I would believe that. Okay. Well, uh, it's first roller You should coaster. check out Camden Park. It really needs your business. You can have a pronto pup, check out the log flume, maybe ride on the cannonball, whatever. You know, it's, a, it's just another wonderful reason to stop by Huntington, West Virginia. Cedar Point's first roller coaster was opened in 1892. Does it say what it was called? No? Okay. Uh, America's Roller Coast. Ah, see, that's what you do. You got to get in early to get kind of, <laughs> to get a name like that. You got to get that patent in early. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that really the next one we have to talk about is Coney Island. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty big one, I guess. It's a pretty big one. When as you far think as of United like, States. yeah, you think of like well-known amusement park. I would, I would be willing to bet that uh, Coney Island is probably the most. I, this is just a guess. The most recognizable American, the most recognizable American amusement park name to other countries. If you said like, do you know what Coney Island is? I would bet the the most people in other. No, you know what I say that it's probably Disney. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is Disney. But but Coney Island is up there as far as historical parks go. Yes. Uh, because it was first opened in 1884. Really? Yep. Um, and it had some of the, the first modern roller coasters called uh, the Gravity Pleasure Switchback Railway. What? Sorry. One more time? Gravity Pleasure Switchback Railway. That sounds like the most funkadelic 60s, 70s band name I've ever ever her opening for the parliament funkadelic is the one more time <laughs> gravity pleasure switchback <laughs> railway i love it 
It is touted as the world's first roller coaster, and it opened with the park in 1884. Wait, but what about the what about the America's Coast or whatever? When did that open? That was 1892. Oh, I see. Okay, Coney Island. Got it. Now, Coney Island is also, as far as I know it as, very famous for like their games and their boardwalks and that kind of thing, right? Exactly. So it started out as kind of a popular seaside resort. Um, which, you know, as people flock to an area, stores open up and arcades open up and the people want to have something else to do besides go to the beach. So, um, that's when they started building these parks there on, it's a five mile stretch of beach. Got it. Is Coney Island. I'm making air quotes. And is this also where we get the idea of like, you know, those piers and like we have a Santa Monica pier here that has like a roller coaster on it and has like, you know, an arcade and stuff where people are like, when you're at the beach, you lay on the beach for a while. And then when it's, when it's too cold to go in the water, <laughs> come spend money on whack-a-mole. I, I think it's safe to say that it is a template for a lot of beachside towns that have these uh, amusement era- areas. Although there were a lot of things that went on at the Coney Island, there are lots of different theme parks that came and went. One of my favorite pieces of history is in one of the amusement parks called Dreamland. Uh Uh-huh. And Dreamland had a kind of strange, almost higher tone to it than we would think of an amusement park. It had uh, cultural attractions and biblical attractions and, and, and other things like that, but... A man named Dr. Martin Cooney. He, Who the island was named after. No, Cooney Island. Cooney, not Coney. Oh, sorry. He had this thing called an infant incubator. Come again? Well, it was basically a preemie ward. At Coney Island? At Coney Island. And they displayed the premature infants in these incubators. Would, would people pay to see them? Yes. What? No. Well, but no. The thing no. is, Travis. Yes. These incubators were incredibly expensive. I believe it. Okay. So I guess. So they used all the proceeds from the ticket sales to help the babies survive. So people could come gawk at preemie babies. But it was a really weird thing to go and see a baby in a glass. I box. agree. That's a really weird thing. I agree, Teresa Murray. Well, just so you know, it worked. Out of the 8,000 babies that were brought to this infant incubator, 7,500 survived. Okay, listen. that That's pretty solid results for 19 from, from whenever this was. <laughs> but I do want to point out, like, picture this scenario. You are a pregnant lady right now. Picture this scenario. Someone going, listen, the baby was born premature. Go, can I see him? Yes. For $10. <laughs> I I have an a uh, I have a hunch that they didn't make the parents pay the ticket prices. Oh, they got comped. Is that? Oh, I, I see. I this is that, that like toddlers and Tierra stuff, huh? But at this point, you know, if it was an option between, I mean, I guess your baby might survive, and we have this thing called an infant incubator that will keep them alive. I would do it. I guess that's true. So let's move away from the baby zoo and talk about <laughs> like a little bit more modern. Move us forward a little bit. Well, as you mentioned earlier, you really can't talk about amusement parks without talking about Disneyland. Oh, do you mean the ha- the happiest place the happiest on earth? The happiest place on earth. Listen, here's the thing, you guys. I don't know how everybody else out there feels. I So, as I mentioned, I grew up watching Vault Disney when I was a kid. And Vault Disney was this thing that kind of came on, like, after 9 p.m. on the Disney Channel. And one of the things that they showed a lot were these, like, uh, I guess they were promotional videos of, like, Walt Disney saying, and this is what I picture for Tomorrowland. And then they would, like, show the, you know, footage of Tomorrowland it was like the original like resort video. Did am I the only person no, in the I, world that grew up watching like resort videos for Disneyland? I I have seen these since you've spoken them spoken about them to me, but it was not something that I actively watched as a child. But I can say like my family, we my grandmother used to live uh, very close to Disney World in Orlando, so we went there a couple times when I like five or six times when I was growing up. I was very lucky to go a lot, and every time we went, like we would obsessively watch the VHS tape of like 
the, you know, Walt Disney Orlando, you know, Disney World Resort video that showed you the monorail and Epcot and MGM. And I, like every child, was obsessed with Disney. Well, so Disney really changed the vibe of how amusement parks went. Um, So before Disney, there was kind of like a conglomeration of a bunch of entrepreneurs. So like, I have a have a railway car and you have a ketchup stand and And i've got boxes for babies (laughs) and let's all kind of be in the same place so we can share customers and make a lot of money but walt disney in 1955 purchased the land outside of anaheim fun fact he purchased it like a little bit at a time so no one would figure out what he was doing and raise the price of land on him and he brought it he bought it under the artifice that he was buying it for orange groves and so he he built his own all under one roof so to say so that instead of you were having uh a you know the the carnival games next to somebody else's food stand next to somebody else's freak show and performances you would have it all together all run by the same company and he touted it as squeaky clean and family friendly and it has remained that there's a whole bunch of different rules and different things that they do at disney to make sure that it stays clean and make sure that it stays family friendly there's whole rules of like what we talked about pointing on one episode where like Mm -hmm. they point with their whole hands they have special codes for throw-ups um they have uh you know no child you know can if they see a crying child you can do whatever it takes to make that child happy um it is listen no matter what cynicism you feel we we went to disneyland recently um uh, thanks to a listener who I am now very mad at myself that I cannot remember his name, but I will remember his name and I will thank him on Twitter again. But a listener gave us uh, passes to go. And I tell you what, man, even at 32, you walk around like Toontown and it feels magical to walk through Mickey's house. You know what I mean? It's it's a magical place. So then Disney, you were correct earlier, Disney World then opened in 1971, uh, which is the still the largest theme park ever built it's huge it's uh if you've never been if you've only ever been to disneyland you will be uh a little bit uh put uh, maybe intimidated by the size you can't do everything in one day right can i share another fun disneyland fact oh sure go ahead uh disneyland is home to a whole army of feral cats or stray cats i loose cats and that's how they uh, cut down on mice and vermin in the park, is they mm. have cats that come out and roam around uh, at night and take care of the mouse problem at Disneyland. Oh, the irony. <laughs> We're going to be back and answer your questions and give you some more amusement park tips. But first, here's a word from another Max Fun show. guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show, and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. Hey, James. Hey, Ineke. Where are we right now? You're in the minority corner. Haven't you been here before? You know what? I think I have. Because you're a woman. And you're a gay man. And we're We're both both black. black. And now that we're here in the minority corner, what should we talk about? How about race, gender, and sexuality? Ooh, and we can gossip about celebrities, and I can quiz you on pop culture. Ooh, and we can have guests. We're going to learn, laugh, and play. You know, that sounds a lot like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, gay, and ladylike. Minority Corner with the K. Check us out. Because the C was taken. We're back. And before we get into answering your questions, I want to give a couple amusement park tips. One, listen, I know, I know it's not cool, but cargo shorts are very efficient. <laughs> They're so good. I mean, uh, cargo shorts and fanny packs. They serve a valuable purpose. Or for our friends down under, belly bags. Belly bags, uh, bum pouches. That's, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't real. I think that's it. I think bum pouches is a different thing. But hey, listen, 
I don't think I see lots of people. Teresa and I often kind of uh, giggle behind our hands when you see someone at an amusement park or any kind of fair who is trying very hard to look cool in such a way that you know they can't be comfortable. You know what I mean? Like we went to uh, the Pleasure Fair, which is the Renaissance Fair here in Los Angeles, and the ground is dirt and hay and mud. And this poor woman was walking around in what must have been four-inch heels. And like it, it did not seem that she planned very well that day. No, and so the thing is, is like dress comfortably. Don't try to be cool. Always wear sunscreen. Um, and Travis McElroy guarantees cargo shorts. Cargo shorts. It's the way to go. You won't regret, especially <laughs> if they have a good, reliable button system. Something where you're not going to lose all of your money. Ah, oh, it's great. Um, that's another it like. Pair down your wallet if you have a thick wallet or thick, you know, uh, purse or that kind of thing. Pair it down to like a card you're going to use, your ID that you're going to use, and like maybe some cash. But if you take your whole wallet with you, you risk losing a lot of important stuff in your wallet, and it's mm-hmm. too risky. Let's see. I'm trying to come up with a good third one. Eat a little bit throughout the day instead of buying one huge meal. Because what are you going to do? Sit down and eat a huge meal in the hot sun? That's no fun. You can also burn through clouds. So always wear sunscreen. Okay. Wonderful tips, dear. Now, let's answer some questions. This is from Jessica. You and the SO went to go on a ride, but you have kids with you. Who gets to sit on a bench and watch the fun pass them by? Um, Actually... We encountered this at the Universal Studios here. They have kid waiting areas where you can go through the entire line all together. Uh, one spouse gets on the ride while the other one waits with the kid. And then as soon as that spouse gets off, you can switch without waiting in line again. So then you both, I, I would say even if you don't see that room, you should say to the attendant, like, I have a kid who doesn't want to go on the ride. Can I stand with them and then get on when the next one comes? Because listen, there's always somebody who wants to ride in there, like who doesn't have someone with them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where it's a not two rider. people. Yeah. And so you can hop in very easily. Um, but I, I, Amusement parks are another great place to remember one of my favorite rules of any etiquette problem or any really social issue you run into like this. You're not the first person to experience this problem. Mm-hmm. They've probably dealt with it before and have come up with a solution to it long before you ever got there. Now, I'm, I'm, I think that having the child who cannot ride or will not ride is a very special circumstance. Um, but if it comes to holding bags or, or switching places or this cutting in line thing, that's not cool. No, you plan ahead for that. It's another reason cargo shorts and fanny packs are great. Listen, in all seriousness, I've never once been wearing a fanny pack at a an amusement park and been made to take it off and store it in a locker mm-hmm. or been told I couldn't take it on the ride or anything like that. It goes under the lap bar most of the time, and it's clipped to me securely. It's a good solution. It's not cool, but it's pretty cool. That said, didn't we have a question about holding bags? Uh, yeah, and I bet we will get to it when we find it again as we go through the list. Uh, the next question is, is it weird that I feel guilty for having the move to the front of the line ticket slash privilege? I assume this is like a fast pass. Yeah, that's what it sounds thing. like. There's also like, I've been to amusement parks, like my dad dropped a weight on his foot the night before we were supposed to go to Cedar Point and he broke his foot. And so we got the like wheelchair access to the front of the line. The answer to this is no, you should not feel guilty. You should not feel bad. It's how the system works. If it if it was a bad idea, they wouldn't let people do it. Exactly. It's not cheating. It's the way the system works. Now, that said, if you feel bad and you fully are aware that you're, like, taking advantage of it or you're in some way gaming the system, then, yeah, you should probably feel bad. But right. if, if you, like, deserve the thing and if it's, like, you know, a real issue that you're dealing with, no, you shouldn't ever feel bad about it. The truth is most fast passes are for a certain time or you can only have so many at once. So you're not really gaming the system when you do that. That's the way the system is built. And the fast pass system is built so that all you're doing is not having to stand there and wait. Right. You don't get to get a fast pass and walk right on. Mm-hmm. You get a fast pass and then you go away and you come back at a designated time right. to get on the ride. So really it's just saving you a, a wait in line. 
Um, this next question is from Morgan. Is it okay to eat fair food while in line for a ride? I have done this before. We've we've taken our, our food, whether it be on a stick or such. On a um, stick, some sort of boat delivery system, <laughs> your ice cream boats, your gravy boats, perhaps. Into the, the line with us. I do think... I don't that, think they serve gravy boats. I do recommend that you attempt to finish it before you get on the ride. Um, and if you don't finish it, you got to throw the rest of it away. You can't take it with you. Um, also, be very mindful of the people around you. Try not to spill on them. Or, you know, just don't dump your trash without a proper receptacle. You know, also, take it from someone who knows. I One of my... One of the issues it took me a really long time to overcome with stuff like that. Ask my family what it was like going to amusement parks with me when I was young. And it was it was unbearable. It was atrocious because I'd get a plan in my head or I would start to feel that time was fleeting and we weren't having enough fun. We weren't doing enough. We weren't keeping to the schedule I'd created in my head. And, and hadn't shared with anyone. And hadn't, I never, no, it's all for me. I don't tell anybody. <laughs> and so if you're like going to sit down and eat lunch, sit down and eat lunch. You know, like you don't need to like shove food down your throat to hurry and get to the next ride. Take a minute, you know, uh, digest a little bit. And I also think this goes along with, if you're at an amusement park or any kind of fair or something that serves alcohol, it's fine to have a drink. I think I love having a beer, a cold beer or two on a hot day at an amusement park is great. I don't see any point to getting super drunk at a place that you paid to be so that you could make fun memories and have a good time at. I think that there's a certain amount of like, no, you should be like having fun. You could get drunk any day of the week. Why get super drunk at Disneyland? Like you're there to enjoy Disneyland, not to get drunk. You know what I mean? It, it probably won't enhance your experience. No, not at all. So, like, if you're going to have a snack in line, that's fine. But, like, don't try to eat, you know, your turkey leg and chips as you go. Like, sit down. I'm really <laughs> safe with that turkey leg. Um, this is from James. If someone cuts in line in front of you, should you confront them, get an official uh, or a nearby, or just leave it? And this was, we got this question a lot. Line cutting is a serious issue. But once again, if you're there to have fun and they're being jerks, is there even a point to making a deal out of it? Or you just sit there and go, oh, well, I'm going to get on the ride five seconds later than I was before. It's going to be fine. I should just relax and enjoy myself. I think that you really need to weigh that out for yourself. Um, because most parks... Do not allow line jumping. Um, I think that there are, that there may be an exception for a family uh, that is waiting in line, and one of the children has to use the restroom. So one of the children and one of the adults would go and use the bathroom, and then join their family again in line. Um, but saving places for your friends, or leaving to go get food and drink, and then or uh, and then coming back, you have to weigh it out for yourself. I don't advise um, confronting these people specifically because it's probably going to upset you more than it's going to upset them. Yeah, because if they felt bad about it, they wouldn't do it. Right. So you saying, hey, I don't like that you did that isn't going to make them go, oh, I wasn't supposed to cut in line. I never knew. Like, they knew. But if you have easy access to a, uh, I believe they call them ride attendants or cast members at Disneyland, um, they are within their rights to eject them from the park. Yeah, but I also think, like, if you feel the need to do something, go for it. But I have also been in this position a lot where I've, like, stewed about something like this. Mm -hmm. Don't let it ruin your good time, man. Like, I, it doesn't... Don't let it harsh your mellow. It doesn't, like... It doesn't stop unless they're putting a finite amount of people on the ride and the cutoff is three before you and you would have gotten on if they hadn't cut. It's not going to ruin your enjoyment of the day. Like I said, you need to weigh it out and don't confront the people. Get someone who is an authority figure to help you out if it if it really bothers you that much. This is from Jack um, in an amusement park with a water park in it. Is it acceptable to just walk around in the park in a swimsuit? Again, there are actually a lot of uh, 
amusement park rules against this. Um, no one is bothered by a swimsuit under your clothes if you're going on, say, a log flume ride where you might get splashed. A flumed log, you know. Right, right. Um, but you should really check out your amusement park's guidelines because there often is a dress code that suggests that shorts and shirts must be worn while riding. That, And I also think that that is... <sighs> We also got this question of, like, I often see people, like, walking around in bikinis. Is that okay? Yeah. Like, not to spiral too much into this conversation, but I think that, especially here in America, we have a lot of hang-ups about the human body. We have a lot of things that we have been taught make you uncomfortable that in real life have zero effect on you and shouldn't bother you. But because of, like, a certain amount of censorship and people being afraid of sexuality in this country, that, like, they see people in bikinis and they're like, oh, I don't know about all this. But listen, it's not a big deal. Once again, don't sit there and judge people for what they're wearing. Unless the thing that they're wearing, like, says something really offensive to you personally. Or the thing that they... Unless they're, like, streaking through the park naked. I don't think you should be bothered by someone wearing a bikini. It is up to the amusement park's discretion what is allowed on grounds and what is not. Yes. Not your discretion. So... Perfect. If you are bothered by someone in a bikini, don't look at the person in a bikini, but... If you're wearing a bikini, you may not be allowed on certain rides. That is an excellent point. If the park says, hey, that's against the rules, you have to say, like, okay, I'm in a place with rules, but you should not turn to another patron of the park and say, I don't like what you're wearing. Right. No. Um, this question is from Sam. Is it impolite to go on a ride that someone else cannot because they are pregnant or something? This is a great question, Teresa. Is it? <laughs> I think that that is all up to the people that you are with. Um, if the person who, for example, is pregnant and cannot ride, insists that you go, please just go, just do it. If they need someone to be with them, be with them. You should communicate openly and honestly with the people that you're with and accept what it is they tell you they want. And, and this is also a thing of like, if you go to an amusement park with a pregnant person, trust us as people who just went to Universal Studios about a month ago, be prepared to the, for the fact that in this day and age, most rides are going to have warnings on them for pregnant people. Yes. Like it just, it like if there's the least amount of like bumping and jostling on the ride, there's going to have a warning on it. So it may be that if you are pregnant, that's not the time to plan that vacation. Now, that said, sometimes you've planned that vacation months and months and months in advance, and you can't refund it. Great, that's fine. But just go into it knowing that you're going to find very few rides that the attendants are going to say, yeah, it's totally fine. Don't even worry about it. Like, even the rides that didn't have warnings on it, we would ask about, and they go, uh, no, because they're <laughs> always going to be safe about it. Right. Um, so, you know, do some research ahead of time, too. There's so many resources online of, like, what at what park is safe for pregnant ladies to do. A little bit of research goes a long way at any amusement park. Oh, so this is, like, the second end of this. So this is from John. One of your party comes down ill. Should you cut things short? Should you take turns keeping them company while the others ride? I think that it depends on if this is a momentary illness, you know, like motion sickness that will eventually go away, or if this is something where they are genuinely physically ill and will not recover promptly. Um, I think that if it's motion sickness, I think it's a great idea to take turns and chill with the person and, until they feel better because you're, you're going to get over motion sickness eventually. But if someone starts coming down with like a fever, they need to leave the park. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, unless, one, if it's a little bit of motion sickness or someone's feeling a little queasy, a little ill, it's a perfect time to take in a show. There's all kinds of stationary well, rides. Idea. You know what I mean? Like, that's the time for like, well, let's go check out this stage show thing. Or like, oh, they're showing this movie. Go check that out. Um, I think that in my, and this is my personal opinion, it would completely change on your relationship with the person. But if like we were say, if we had made a trip to like Disney World and we were like staying at a hotel nearby in Orlando and we were with a friend who got sick, I would feel comfortable asking them if they'd be cool. Like we take them back to the hotel, make sure they got settled in and then go back to the park. 
because I know I personally would feel terrible if somebody had to cut an entire vacation plan short because I came down with an illness. Right. But I think our, our general advice is the same, where we would make sure that that person is comfortable. Yes. And then take care of ourselves. Uh, this question is from Liam. If there's no one in line. Oh, this is a good question, Liam. If there's no one in line, can I step through the line divider slash ropes? Oh. I know the answer. No. The answer is no. I, I, I feel like we're going to catch so much I, flack I, for this. I, I can give the perfect reason why. Okay, why? The reason is I have seen people. This is, re, I, this is like real life experience where you will be walking through the lines and somebody else steps over and they cut in front of you. Because you were taking the time to actually walk all the way through. They started after you but just stepped over the ropes and ended up in front of you. Like the lines are there for a reason. Plus, if you trip over those and get hurt... That's going to ruin your whole day. It's going to ruin your day. Just take a little walk. You're at the amusement park to not only have fun, but get a little exercise. Take a little walk. We went to the the Harry Potter world at Universal Studios, and part of the fun was walking through Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. A lot of these amusement parks now are really focusing not only on the ride experience, but the experience leading up to it. And you could bypass a whole lot of fun stuff by skipping that stuff. So just like the law still applies in parking lots, you should still go through all the turnstiles and ropes. This question is from Rini. I hate roller coasters, but wait in line with friends and step through when we reach the roller coaster to wait on the other side with their bags. Is this okay? This is the one I was talking about. Yes, it's absolutely okay. Um, I actually did that when we were at Universal Studios. I didn't wasn't for holding bags, but because I wanted to hang with my friends. Yeah. So we went through the lines, and I just stepped through or stepped to the side off the platform. And I said, I'll wait for you here. Now, you should be aware, and most of these rides, especially at the bigger parks, there will also be a ride attendant when you first get in line. So if you're unsure, you can always ask. But sometimes... They have really fancy, schmancy, funky entrances to the rides where it's like suddenly you're just there and you're like, oh, I didn't want to. Where do I stand? Can I step through? Where? So if you don't already know and someone hasn't said anything to you, you should probably ask beforehand. But most of the time, just step through. Yeah. Break on through. Okay. So this is another toughie from Adrian. And this is similar to some toughies we've gotten in the past. What do you do? When other people's children are extremely misbehaved and the parents are either completely absent or do not care. Well, I I will tell you what both Emily Post and Miss Manners say. They say that it is better to lead by example than to uh, embarrass by correction. Yes. So you should not correct another person's child. Um, if it is something that is endangering your safety, say out loud, that's not safe, or please don't do that. Any of those, that those will both work, hopefully getting the parents' attention as well. Um, but you, you should just lead by example, just like Emily and Miss Manners say. Especially since your definition of bad behavior may not be the same definition other people have for bad behavior. I'm going to tell you, if you go to Disneyland, if you go to Disney World, if you go to something like that, you should expect children to be running around hyperactive and screaming. It's, lots of it's sugar, Disney. lots of excitement. Yeah. So, like, there's pro- and you know what? Maybe you're a little bit hot and a little bit sweaty and a little bit frustrated and the behavior is not really that bad, but your nerves are a little bit raw and you're a little bit frustrated. And, you know, maybe you're not the best judge of behavior right that second. All of these circumstances could be happening. Yes. So best just to leave it alone and just enjoy your own self. Um, oh, this is an interesting question. Okay. This is from Daniela. What is the etiquette when interacting with characters in costume? Is it best to play along when they're in character? I'm nervous about this because I'm not especially good at improv. Also, pictures? <laughs> well, a lot of these places do have picture protocol already. Um, so you can either hand your camera to the handler or another person with them. And they will take care of the picture and they'll guide you through it. Um, I do recommend that you always address 
the character by the character name because, let's be honest, there's going to be a lot of kids around. And it's, you know, we don't want to ruin their experience by saying, oh man, it's really hot in that costume, huh? Because to these kids, they are the real characters. So even if you don't want to improv a little scene, and trust me, I don't want to improv a scene, um, I still address them by the character name. I actually did, I've done some costume character work, um, some mascot work for my dad's radio stations, my, uh, the various radio stations that my dad is affiliated with in Huntington. And I never once didn't appreciate an adult treating me like I was the character. What I hated was people talking to me from, like, they'd try to look in my mouth and talk to me. Like, hey, dude, like, I know, and you know, we're creating a rich fiction here. Please leave me alone. <laughs> you know, like, that's the kind of thing. Like, buy into the fiction. You're there for the fun. It's Mickey Mouse. It's not Steven inside of Mickey Mouse. Right. Okay, so to your point, um, what do you do? So this is from Ayla. How do you tell someone you really don't want to go on a particular coaster or water slide, but don't mind waiting up, uh, waiting for them and get them to believe you? You know, <sighs> This sort of thing is an interesting dynamic to watch play out because it really just depends on the prior relationship and communication you have set with those people already. For example, when I tell Travis, I want to sit down, I don't want to go on this ride, he believes me because that's the kind of communication and relationship that we have. If you say, it's fine, go, I want to wait here. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, you would tell me if you didn't want me to go, and if I didn't want to go, I would stay. So it's, it is rather difficult if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have that kind of relationship. Maybe it's a, you know, a distant family member or, you know, a friend of a friend that you just met today. You really just have to do the best you can to be reassuring and genuine to them. And if you really don't want to and it's not a big deal, tell them I really don't want to. It's not a big deal. Here's the thing. Think about the difference between these two phrases and the way that they're said. I do not want to go on this ride. Go on without me. I will wait here and enjoy this water. Right? I I don't. I, no, it's fine. I don't want to go. No, no, no. Like you, you guys go, and and I'll just I'll just wait here. It's fine. <laughs> right. The difference between those two things. Right. One of them does sound much more genuine than the other. So be direct without being rude, and just say I am not lying. I am fine. Please go. Tyler asks, is there a recommended type of clothing that is amusement park appropriate? Yeah, I'm going to say cargo shorts <laughs> and fanny pack. You know, light clothes. Don't wear like black t-shirts and dark jeans. Something that is uh, weather appropriate and comfortable. Um, I don't recommend wearing flip-flops if you're going to be going on a lot of roller coasters um, because you will probably lose them and that's not fun. Um but other than that, I think that, you know, you should check out your amusement park's guidelines and see if there if there's anything that they absolutely won't allow and make sure you don't wear that. This is from Valerie. What is the proper amount of personal space to give strangers in a line? One wants everyone to feel comfortable, but also a lot of lines have an indoor and outdoor space, which I assume the point there is like everybody would rather be indoors where the air conditioning is. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to like cram in to get in there. You know what I mean? Also, just you didn't ask this, Valerie, but everyone should also pay attention in line because there's nothing more frustrating than standing in one place for a long time than you look over and like there's a huge gap because someone's busy like talking to their friend and you're like, ahem, and then they turn around <laughs> and move forward. As far as space between people goes, um, you should never be so close to someone that you could shift your weight and touch them. Um, Americans tend to keep a, a pretty large personal space bubble. Um, and you want to be respectful of that. Um, but, you know, it's not there. There really isn't any kind of guideline as far as like two feet around or, or anything like that. But like I said, if you can't shift your weight without touching the person in front of you or behind you, you're too close. Can I tell you my, my general uh, rule? Sure. Um, I'm a big dude. Uh, and if I'm not careful, I will run into everybody. So I try to stand far away enough from people in general, in life, that if I had my hands on my hips, my elbows would not hit them if I turned around quickly. 
and that keeps me from accidentally beating a lot of people up. I think that's a, a great rule of thumb for you, large man. Thank you. And you know what? Don't sit on railings. Yeah, it's really not safe. Um, I'm, I have myself, on occasion, leaned on a, on a turnstile or railing that was secured to the ground. Um, but you really shouldn't sit or swing on them if you can help it. Uh, you might accidentally sit on someone's hand, if nothing else. Right, you would sit on someone's hand. It may not be attached properly to the ground. Uh, you may fall and hurt yourself. And odds are that you'll probably just get up there to sit and then have to stand up and move in the line again. You're at an amusement park. You should just anticipate a lot of standing and walking. There's going to be a lot of lines. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, thank you for listening. Before we want to go, I want to tell everybody uh, about a, a fun game opportunity. So if you've ever played the game Monikers, um, you know how fun it is. And if you've never played it, you should check it out. Basically, uh, it's a game in which there are cards. And on each card is written uh, a person or you know, a noun, some kind of thing. And the first round, you're trying to describe it to your teammates without actually saying the thing. And then the second round, you're trying to do it with one word. And in the third round, you're acting it out. And the cards are all weighted, so more difficult ones are worth more points and easier ones are worth less points. Well, here's the thing. We are doing a McElroy family-inspired uh, version of it. We're doing an expansion pack all about the McElroy family of shows, including some Schmanners cards in there. So you should go check it out. It's McElroyCollection.com. It's only $10 for the McElroy expansion, $35 for the whole bundle with the expansion and the original Monikers game. Um, we're doing a one-month pre-sale, and then it's over. You can't get it after that pre-order ends. That's it. Um, so if you want to get it, go to McElroyCollection.com. You should also go check out all the other amazing Maximum Fun shows at MaximumFun.org. And check out all the other projects that the McElroy family does by going to McElroyShows.com. Uh, who should we thank? Teresa, do you have any thank yous? We should definitely thank Brent Brentelfloss Black for our theme song, which is available on iTunes as a ringtone. Somebody mentioned that we never mentioned Android. That is because it's not available for Android. And we apologize that it is not available for Android. Person who asked about it being on Android, it's just available on iTunes. So, whoops. Um, but <laughs> go check that out. He does amazing stuff. He's also uh, my co-host on trends like these and he's just a great dude so you should go pick up that ringtone i also want to say um i do a show that's not on maximum fun called uh intero bang with travis and tybee that i really want everyone to go check out i'm very proud of it it's basically tybee and i talking about the things in the world that frustrate us and the episode that we did this week we tried to keep it instead of talking about frustration positive and the things that made us happy in the world or the things that kind of inspired us that the world could be better because we felt like that's what everybody needed right now so maybe go check that out and Bang with Travis and Tybee. Um, we should also thank Kayla M. Wassel for our uh, thumbnail art and our title art. Uh, we also want to thank Emily Post and Ms. Manners. Well, of course, always. Okay, I'm always great. sending it up to my girls. Uh, and I think that that is going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.